0: Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Hey, like I said, we're going to start a new series today entitled Kingdoms at War, and we're going to contrast the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. And so as we do, I'll share a couple of things with you today. Um, i just a couple of questions real quick, but before we go. So, curious because, you know, big game today. How many of you guys are actually going to watch uh, Super Bowl today? Let me see your hands. Raise your hand. That's a lot, That's a lot of people. I tell uh, different teams, it's funny, you may not watch one game all year. This will be one that, it's the largest watched, at least it used to be, I'm pretty sure it still is, the largest watched audience participation, you know, segment in all of the whole year. There's nothing else that gets as much um, viewership than, than this one game. And so I'm going to share a little bit of being that. So when you watch the game today, uh, maybe I'll tie some spiritual things in with it. Um, how many of you could care less about Super Bowl? You're like, I could care less. Oh, that's just as many. Wow, <laughs> amazing. So I guess it tells you the thing: 360 million people in America. I think what 60 million people watch it or something like that. Maybe 80 million. I don't know. Uh, that's still not a majority, I guess. So, <clears throat> but I want to talk to you a little bit about and thinking about this with a, with a coach. And, and what they do. When you watch today, one of the things you're going you to know, I'm not a, I'm not a, I've never coached football. I'm, my father-in-law is a coach and his friends are coaches. I've heard them talk, but one thing I've learned about watching coaches is there is a scoreboard that's, you know, up that they're watching score on. And there's another, on the same board, a clock that's running the whole time, unless you get timeouts or there's a TV timeout or whatever happens. There's, there's always time running on the clock. And, and most of the time, if you look at a coach you might think that they are just constantly focusing on the score. That's really not their main focus. It's really the clock. Because there's only so much time in that game before you run out, and you cannot score once time's gone. And the thing about a good coach is really it's plays, it's execution, it's all these things, but they're really good clock managers, they really manage game clock well. If you watched any of the games the last couple of weeks, you saw this silly-nilly stuff that these guys started doing. It kind of it drives me crazy watching. But I got to give it to the guys. It's super smart. I mean, you know, when they're sitting there taking penalties, taking 10-yard penalties here, 5-yard, just letting the game clock run, run, taking another penalty. Finally, they're like, if you do it again, we're going to have to throw something out. They're making up. They can't figure out what to do because they're just burning clock off. The other guy on the other side if you watch the Patriots at all, man, he builds, he's throwing headsets. He's doing backflips. He's spitting green stuff out, going crazy because they keep taking his, his game clock away. That's really what a great coach does. He manages time. And when you talk about time, in the essence of Christianity and us as humans, that's really what we're doing. You're really managing time. My kids were telling me the other day that we were talking about uh, on the way here. As a matter of fact, they were talking about, you know, buying property, houses, whatever else. And we're, we're a bit of a, at odds with one another about where we should go. One, we should not be on big farms versus small farms versus this versus that. They would like to have, like, I mean, I don't know, something out in Texas, I think, a, a ranch. I think they want, have no idea how to run a ranch, but that's, they think that would be cool, you know, because there's animals on it, I guess. And so I'm like, you know, how would you take care of those things? We, we barely have time now with all the things we do. How would you manage all that? And no joke, this is what the first one said. was like, we'll make time for it. I said, you can't make time, sweetie. You can make a cupcake, but you can't make time. You know what I mean, Dad? No, 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 no. Let's be very clear. That's what we all say. I know what you're saying is you'll make time. You can't make time. But it's a it's just a saying we say but we need to be very clear about what we're saying You cannot make time You can make a cupcake And you can make more cupcakes and you can make money and you can make more money You can lose money and make money But you cannot make more time It is a steady constant that runs and the funny thing is my kids It's weird now because i'm i guess i'm in the If we're calling about them in quarters Let's say I'm in halftime. I don't know where, where I fall exactly, but somewhere in there. My kids are like first quarter. They, they time doesn't mean anything right now. But it's weird, isn't it, right? Like as you, as you get a little older, it, your parents always told you this, your grandparents say, time just flies by. And I would think when I was younger, <laughs> it don't fly by. That's crazy. Guess what? It feels like it's flying. But you know it's not. It's the same clock you have right now. It's the same one you had when you were a kid. Time does not speed up or slow down. It is constant. The change happens, we perceive it differently because we get wiser. As we age, we understand how precious time really is. A football game starts off in the first quarter with all this energy and excitement. Oh, we're dancing, we're doing silly, goofy moves on the field, and we're acting like hot dogs and doing whatever. Yeah, people spitting and screaming. None of that matters in the first quarter. Halftime really doesn't matter a whole lot either. But you know when they re- everybody starts getting real serious? is about the third, in the third to the about fourth quarter, everybody gets nervous. Because they start looking at, man, we're gonna, we we got to win this game. We've got so much time left. And they start managing clock and managing clock. Well, in our life, it's no different. In the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of this world, the world will tell you, you can do all you want to do run and have all this stuff and be busy and do stuff and just man we're just wow but the kingdom of god doesn't say that the kingdom of god is more about purpose so let me show you the difference between what i'm saying right here so let me show you a picture of a clock so you can kind of just see remind ourselves what one is this is old school definitely old school but that would run you would wind it up and you would run it it would just tell you the time it does not give you purpose. It does not give you direction. It does not give you anything. And if that's all you watch, you're going to be stressed, filled with anxiety because I'm running out of time. I don't have time to finish my stuff today. We got laundry. We got to feed the kids. We got to run around town. I can't get this test done. I got to study for that. I got all this stuff going on because we watch this. That's what the world wants you to watch. Now, you do watch this as a Christian. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But you don't start with this. You start with something else, and it's called a compass. Now, let me show you a picture of a compass. Isn't is We don't use it this much, but there is an app on your phone. <laughs> There's an app for that. You can pull it up and find one on your little phone. This is a compass. A compass gives you direction. It tells you how to get, really, if you know how to read one, it'll tell you how to get somewhere. It'll tell you things like what direction, if you're getting out of off course, how to pull back. Aircraft use it. Ships use it hikers and nature, you know, you know, enthusiasts, they use it when they get deep into the woods. Now, listen, if you walk around one of the little trails, Ridge Ferry, you don't need a compass. You just follow. you just walk your little cell phone to the parking lot. That ain't what, a if you get on the top of some mountains out in Canada somewhere, and there's nobody around you. Phones don't work for like 40 miles. You need one of those. They give you direction. They give you understanding of where you're at. So you know which way to go. If you don't know where you're at, you're lost. But watch this. That compass paired with a clock is how God works. He wants you to have direction and purpose for where you're going. Know where you're at so you can know where you're going, but then look at the clock to see how long it's going to take you to get there. How much time do you have to finish it? Because if you're trekking out in the forest, I know this much. I don't do this. I'm not one of those kind of people. I mean, you know, hiking for me is like a Hilton. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't, for me, my family want to do it, but like I, I can tell you right now, no, it wouldn't go well. It wouldn't go well at no. all. My kids, no, 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 no. We go to the lake, man, with Ronnie's place, man. We Hang out. that's camping right there, you know. But when, when I, I'm not one of these people, but here's what I know. If you get out into the woods deep enough, you have your compass, the clock is there to tell you what time it is because as the sun goes down and temperatures change, you need to know how much time you have before you make camp. Because if it gets dark and you're deep enough in the woods, there's bears, there's real, real stuff out there. It's, I mean, it's not like around here, these little black bears, like little puppy dogs. I mean, you get up in the far north, man, there's big grizzlies. They'll eat you. Nobody will ever know you're gone. I mean, they'll just eat you alive, man. You need to know what time it is so you can prepare, stop, make camp, and prepare another way. That's how God works. He gives you steps. He gives you direction. He gives you purpose, but he doesn't expect you to blaze a trail and make it to the end in one day. He expects you to pace yourself. Set a course and watch the clock and say, this is how much I can get done right now. And you know what? Based upon what God says in his word, that's enough for today. Tomorrow is a new day. It's only when we're frantic and crazy. We've got to get this done. We're afraid we won't be able to do it tomorrow. But God gives you a new day. And if he doesn't, then praise Jesus, you'll be in glory. And it won't even matter anymore. But while you're here, God wants us to use a compass and a clock together. Let me share a couple of things about this before, and I'm going to make a couple of points. In our lives today, this world, the kingdom, this world, and the kingdom of God, here's the way this works. We have been told that by having one of these right here, it's made life better because you can pay your bills on it. You can talk to people on it. You can send mail through it. You know, I don't, you can feed yourself with it. It's got, like, life-saving skills built into it. If you get hurt, there's a medical thing that alerts if you filled it out. A nurse can actually look at your stuff say, he's allergic to penicillin, don't give him that. I mean, there's all kind of... Fa- but we've been told this is supposed to help us be better because you can do more things now because you have one of these. We have TVs, and electronics, we have all this stuff at our, our fingertips. We can do all these different things, and we can do more than one thing at a time which makes us so amazingly smart. But that's not true. And I'm going to prove to you right now it's not true because everyone says, well, if I do more, I get more done. If I do more, like I'll do this, this, and this. And we think of something called multitasking, which this world created. We're actually achieving more. But I told you I'm a weirdo. I studied some of the stuff on the side, kind of like neuroscience and things like this. They've proven this is false. There is no such thing as multitasking. It's actually called task switching. So let me, let me explain this to you. When you look at your phone and you're texting, trying to read your Bible while eating a sandwich, going to the bathroom, and then driving down the road, all that at the same time, that's called task switching. You're not actually doing multiple things at once. Well, look, you can chew gum and walk at the same time. At least most people can. Because that's a motor skill. That's not, you're not using brain juice to really do that. It's just a motor skill that you've developed. You can eat a sandwich. You can eat some fries, go down the road and drive just fine. But you know why texting is so dangerous in a car? Is because you can't multitask. You're driving. Your brain is focused in on billions of bits of information. And as soon as you take your eyes from this, which it is bringing in, and you begin to read this, you no longer are focused on one thing. You're tried to split it, but you can't. You're actually task switching. And that's why it's so dangerous. Because your brain doesn't understand. It says, okay, we're no longer driving. It doesn't say, oh, we're still driving in a 4,000-pound car. Let's keep one eye on the road and one eye on the thing. It doesn't do that. It says, you don't want to drive anymore? Okay, let's read it devotes 100% to that right there because you're engaging a task. Multitasking is not true. It's false. Why does that even matter right now? Because watch this. Because if you want to know God by His Word, you cannot learn Him with five things going at the same time. Something called focus has just been almost taken from the dictionary in our culture it's almost as if focus is a bad thing like if i sit down for any length of time to actually do anything focus driven i must feel guilty about it because i'm not answering email let me just tell you something about email and texting and instagram and phone books and whatever else is on the thing now i don't even know i can't keep up with it all i don't answer all my stuff like every five minutes because I found this, I can't get any work done. Because if I answer every call that comes in or every text message that comes in, right when it comes in, I'll be doing this all day. Oh, somebody, big me. Oh, oh. So what I do, I take breaks and I go, when I go to the restroom or something, I stop. Now I've finished, I go to the restroom, now my mind's not on this. Okay, now I'll sit back down, I go, let me answer some stuff. I'm done. You know what I do, if I, if I get up and go get some coffee or go get some lunch or something, I'm going to answer that thing then. But I can't stop what I'm doing to answer everything that comes in. My brain will not get anything done because it's called task switching. Y'all, y'all get what I'm saying? Like, why? Pastor, why are you talking about this? Because I'm telling you right now, God wants to do something in our lives, but he can't do it if we're just like a bunch of, you know, little, little, you've seen those little dogs that are like little Jack Terriers, is that what they call? called? They're like amped up on like Mountain Dew or something, crazy looking dogs. Like, you know, they're, just like, they're like crazy dogs that's what we are like in society today and to me just even saying this some of you right now are like insides going like i don't agree with you i don't agree with you i don't care if you agree with me i know what i'm talking this is the truth study it for yourself i'm telling you the truth i'll save you some time you can't multitask and you argue with me in your brain saying yes i can you're wrong straight up welcome to church It's just Somebody has to tell you because you know why? Because my kids now, they are getting into this whole idea now. Well, if I do. No, 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 baby girl. Don't lose the beauty of sitting down without anything around you and just painting for a moment. Don't lose the beauty of being able to go outside, leave this flipping thing somewhere and just listen to some birds. Walk around outside without having to worry about, well, what if somebody calls me? You know, they they found you a hundred years ago, too. They might have sent a horse after you, but somebody found you. It's gonna be all right. Most of the time it's not even important. You're worried about somebody. Well, but what if they need me? Listen, we're not God. At what point do we elevate ourselves to the position of the Almighty? I am not the way maker. I'm not even a need meter. I'm barely getting it through it myself. Don't look at me like that. Get a break, man. Get away from all that craziness for a moment. And I'm not picking on the phone. I'm saying anything that takes your mind and makes you do like this all day long. Put that thing aside and just ask yourself, can you even watch a game today? We're eating some chips and salsa without worrying about something that might come through that phone. Or somebody, listen, let somebody just have some peace. Don't worry about it. It's gonna be okay. Now, why is that such a big deal? I'm gonna tell you why. Because a clock puts pressure on you, a compass gives direction. A clock, the game of football is only football because of the clock. It puts pressure on coaches. But they are not sitting around in the locker room going, What are we gonna do, boys? We only got 10 minutes left. What are we gonna do? I don't know. We gotta watch the clock. Watch the clock. No, they go in at halftime, they make course corrections every single time. They're killing us on the line, man. O-line's getting killed. we got to do something here. Men are stopping the run. Every, what are we going to do to fix that? They're making adjustments the whole way. That's what good coaching does. That's how God works too. He doesn't expect us to run by the clock. He expects us to run by the compass. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 20, verse 27, New Living Translation. I'll put this on the screen for you because I'm going to read it to you from a different um, a different thought process, okay? The Lord's light penetrates the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. One translation reads it like this. Listen to this. It says, the spirit of man is the Lord's spotlight. He wants to shine his light, man. The spirit of the Lord or the spirit of man is the Lord's spotlight. It's where God wants to put light on something. He wants to reveal something. He wants to give you focus. He wants to give you direction in life. But he can't do it if we're like a little Jack Terrier (laughs) craziness going on all the time. He can't stop for five minutes just to pray. Just to have a moment with God for a moment just that's quiet. It's going to be okay if you don't get their text message. It's going to be okay if you didn't like something on Instagram. going—you're not The world's not going to crash if you didn't get a chance to respond in time. Sometimes, just a moment that God can shine a light on something. Proverbs 16, 9 says this. This is on the New King James Version. It says, a man's heart plans his way. But watch this. The Lord directs his steps. A clock cannot direct your steps. It can put the pressure on you to run, but I found this to be true. When I'm under pressure and I try to run, I make mistakes. Because a clock puts pressure on me. I can't get direction from God when I'm under the gun, man. I'm like, oh, I gotta do this, gotta do this, gotta do this. But is that what God wants? Well no, I'm so I'm so busy, I lost going. On. I can't stop to hear what God wants. That's probably not good. I need to stop and get direction. I promise you this hikers know the difference in this. A true hiker, somebody really gets out in nature and it really does this stuff, like they live off the land for like four and five days, a week or two, and then come back and they're still alive. They don't pay attention to the clock as much as they do the compass. They got to know where they're at, where they're going, and how to get back so they're still alive. God wants to give direction. So listen, a couple of thoughts here. How we focus on the compass more than this clock. So listen, a couple of things real quick. Is Number one is this. I think all of us need to learn how to manage disappointments. When you watch a ball game, I watched real champions. They do this; they miss out on the championships. So they don't even get to go to Super Bowl. Some of them get really upset. I mean, they're down in the dirt. I mean, like let's just be honest. <clears throat> if 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 you are with the Falcons, it's been a rough couple of years. You know. Listen, you know, Amen. You know why? All because we went to the Super Bowl, and nobody lets go of this whole 23-whatever lesson. I don't care. You know, it's just like, let it go. We can't let it go. It don't feel like players would let it go either, does it? Because, man, some people, if you're not there enough, you, you just get so disappointed. But people go there all the time like the Patriots. They're like, I mean, for them, like, you know what, we'll be there next year. They're frustrated, but they're probably already practicing for next year. They don't get so depressed. They get on back on what's going forward. I'm not going to read this scripture to you right now, but I'm going to quote it to you. Matthew 19, verse 16 through 22. Story of the rich young ruler. Do you remember what he asked Jesus? He said, what good things must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, good things. Do all these different things like that. And he said, I've done all that. He said, why don't you sell everything you got and give to the poor? He choked on those words. Disappointment grabbed him in such a way he could not move forward. Listen to me. Don't get caught up in doing so many great things that you lose sight of the most important thing. Don't lose sight of, a, oh, I can do all these different things for God. I'm multitasking. I'm, I'm so busy and I'm running around the world and I've got all this stuff going on and I'm so busy, 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 busy like a little busy beaver. But we leave the most important thing. What is the most important thing? You've got to manage your relationships. This is the story of Mary and Martha. Do you remember her? Luke ten thirty eight. You can read it. I'm not gonna read all this to you right now. Martha, 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 as Jesus would say. When Jesus put your name in there three times, that means pay attention. Martha, Martha, Martha. Now let's just don't pick on Martha. Steve, Steve, Steve. Haley, Haley, Haley. Jody. Jody, Jody. Come on, put your name in the thing. Let's say it all together. Your name out loud three times right now. One, two, three. Jody, Jody, Jody. You can just hear it in his voice, can't you? Like, it's like you know something's coming. What does he say? You are preoccupied by so many things, girl. You have got so many things running in your brain you worried about the tea sets. You worried about the plate sets. You worried about the napkins with the fold and all that stuff. You worried about all these different things like that. He said, Man, we, we could have eaten on paper plates and some Dixie cups. We've been just fine. We didn't come here for a big meal presentation. We came here to learn about Jesus. You're so preoccupied about all those things. Mary, though, you know, she didn't like that. No one likes to be contrasted with somebody else. <laughs> Nobody. Mary has chosen that which is right and most important. You know, sometimes in our lives, guys, if we're so disappointed, we'll forget even in the area of relationships, something goes wrong in our life, something happens in our life, and we don't deal with it very well, but then we start doing other things to kind of bridge the gap, and we forget the most important thing is some of your relationships that you have with people in this room, your relationship with Jesus obviously first, but we leave it because we're so preoccupied with everything else. Being busy, listen, is not being productive. I dare you today. So this is going to be funny because I probably will do the same thing. I'm going to challenge all of us in this room right now to do something. When you leave today, I dare you. Okay, back in hot playground days, okay? I double dog dare you, okay, to do this. To when someone says, how are you doing today? How's things going? How's life? I dare you to not say the words, man. I'm so busy. I, I challenge every one of you right now in this room, so everybody's heard it. So if somebody says that to him, just laugh and be like, <laughs> Pastor Jody said you weren't supposed to say that today. You need to pick a new word. And stand there and watch him pick a new word for me. I'm busy. No, 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 you've got to pick another word. I am overcommitted. <laughs> what? That doesn't sound as cool, does it? Busy sounds like I'm important. Busy sounds like I got things going on. I'm an important person. I'm busy, busy, busy. But when you say I'm overcommitted, it sounds like you don't got your stuff together. (laughs) Busy is not what it sounds like anymore today. I think it really means overcommitted. I dare you today, when you leave, everybody's going to participate. When someone says to you, I just bit, oh man, I'm overcommitted. Or you got to pick another word. I don't care what you pick, but you can't say, I'm busy. And see how that throws you off. Joyce Meyer says this, if you feel you're too busy, you make your schedule. Mama Joyce, wisdom for the ages right there. <laughs> Write that down and put that on your hand or car or something. I don't know what. Last thing I want to show you there right now is this. If you're going to handle something in life, managing disappointments is one thing. Manage your relationships is another. But then you've got to manage your time. I told you I'm going to talk about time, then we'll close out with this. The clock is not the most important instrument in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of world, the clock is the most important. The kingdom of God says the compass is. Direction matters more than time. But once you get direction, you do have to watch the time. So in Ephesians 5.16, I'll put this on the screen for you. I want you to see this verse of Scripture. Ephesians 5.16, and this goes from uh, 5.16 through uh, uh, verse 20, I believe is what, what it is, okay? He says this, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. In other words, it means understand the direction he wants you to go. Understand it. Okay, and he says this: Don't be drunk on wine, right? Because that will ruin your life. It will. Or pick your vodka. Or pick your whatever. Don't be drunk on stuff to the point where you you can't function. It'll ruin your life. It will. It says instead, though, be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because to do what God wants you to do, you're going to have to be filled with something from the spiritual that gets you by, and not from the natural that gets you by. A natural substance isn't going to take the place of what God can do for you spiritually. No matter what it is, pick it, it don't matter, food, drink, entertainment, whatever, it doesn't matter. That will never fill your bucket spiritually. You've got to be filled with his spirit. And he says, how do you do this? Here's how he tells you. Why do we worship? Listen, this is so important. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Why do we worship so much? It is for God, yes. But God, it's like this thing where you lift up your hands and you worship to God. It blesses him. But you know what he does? He's filling your tank every time you worship God. And if you come in and say, I just don't believe in that. I wasn't raised in that way. I came from this, there, and the music's too, whatever, and I don't like it. It's not about you. It's about him. But here's the weird thing. If you make it about him, he'll make it about you too he will fill you up, and you'll feel better after you leave here. But he says as you make music in your hearts to the Lord. Now listen, you give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Different versions of Scripture read it this way. Listen to this. Make the most of every t- opportunity. King James says it this way, redeem the time. We know what the word redeem is. It's what Jesus did. He bought you back from sin. He bought you. He paid the price for you. He redeemed you. Redeem the time. How do you do that? Here's another uh, ESV says it this way: you make the best use of your time. How do you do well looking at your day and say, you know what? What's most important? How much time do I have today? You know, there's things that I look at sometimes and I go, my team needed certain things for me this month. And I'm gonna be honest with you, it took a lot because I put my word out there to them and I said, I will get this and this and this done for you. Before the end of January help set this year forward i will do that for you i had to say no to a lot of stuff to get that done i just did it's going to pay me back big time for the year but for january i had to say no to a lot of stuff some really good things we do prayer every tuesday here in town i can only do one out of the whole month say man pastor jody are you supposed to be praying i am and it's a very important thing, but I had to look at what I had to do. I couldn't help everything else in our church if I was gone all the time. So I had to say, I can only do this, and I can only do that, and I can only do this. And I had to stop everything else for a season. I so, said, well, I just don't, I couldn't say no, to that. that's the problem. You can never redeem time if you don't say no. And we did this before, in case you've forgotten how, you hadn't worked it out since the first of the year. Want everybody participate with me. Before we close out this message today, we're going to lead you into exercises, okay? Here's what you're going to practice. You're going to practice flexing your no muscle. We did this the first year, but it seems like maybe it's gotten lazy and you've forgotten how to work it out again. So I am going to help jumpstart you again, okay? I'm your uh, whatever those guys are. I'm going to pump you up, those guys, okay? Right? <laughs> That's old school. That's back, way back. Okay, way back. Anyway, on the count of three, we're all going to say no together, okay? Let's hear you do it and let's sound it from the belly, okay? One, two, three no whoa wow that sounded pretty good okay all right you only have four days this week to get something done your friend says hey you want to go get cheeseburgers but you know you can't but you feel bad for telling them no everybody say no on the count of three like you really don't want to do it like you want to tell them this but you hadn't done it yet you're probably going to do it today say it together one two three No. no it feels good doesn't it that's how you redeem time Well, I mean, for you guys, y'all probably want to go eat cheeseburgers, right? Yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah. 20 years from now, you're going to have to say no to that. (laughs) You get once a month. Maybe two if your wife isn't looking. Whatever. So, last thing I want to give you is this. Why are we going to say no? Because, listen to me, if you don't say no, you're going to be a slave to everything else that everybody wants. And you're going to follow their direction and course for your life versus what God wants. Say no, just say no, man. In the eighties, Miss Reagan said, "Just say no, just tell them, no you can't." <clears throat> Last scripture I'm going to leave with is this: Romans eleven sixteen. And I'll ask our team to come up and close out with this thought. I know what the scripture pertains to, and I'm not trying to uh, deviate from that at all. I understand who this is talking about. It's talking about Jesus and the whole. If you give the first portion, you make the whole lump holy. It's talking about Jesus is the first fruits. He's the first born of the dead. He's the first resurrected from the dead. But listen, because of Jesus and the resurrection, guess what you are? He made the whole, I hate to call you a lump, but that's what he calls us. And the whole lump is made holy. If you said yes to Jesus, you've been made holy. I don't care what you've done or what you said and what your mistakes are. I don't care about any of that mess. All I care about is if you said yes to Jesus, and guess what? You're holy. That can't be true. That's the Bible. Don't argue with me. This is what the Bible says, right? He said that. I didn't say it. If, if I would have said it, I would have said it just like you. That can't be true. But I've got to go by what he says and not what everybody else says. Romans says this, eleven sixteen. If the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, the branches are too. And I'm going to tell you this. It's a little secret. It's a principle in God's word. It means that you're going to find it in the Old Testament. You're going to find it in the New Testament. It doesn't mean you take it and build a doctrine out of it, in a sense. But in a sense, it is a principle that you will find all throughout the Scriptures. And that is this. Anything that you give to God, God will take it, He'll redeem it, and He'll make it holy. Now, you can say, well, I just don't know. Give me a couple examples, Pastor. This is why when the Bible talks about a tithe, I'm not preaching on my, just listen to me for a moment when you give of God the first of all of your increase it is not so the church can pay a light bill that's all secondary stuff it's God taking the first watch this portion that you gave him Which let's just be honest is very insignificant can we just be honest look at what you're paying the government come April okay just look at that it's very insignificant but he takes that and what he does is he puts a blessing on the rest and he makes it holy. Now I learned this from my pastor in Dallas. For all of you in here who are super generous people, you cannot just be generous and expect God to bless your finances. Okay, listen very carefully. I, I did not understand this years ago, but I've come to understand this now. You cannot just be generous. You may tithe and not have a blessed financial How's that possible? Because it takes two sides of it. You give, you're generous, but the other side is you've got to steward the other 90%. That means then sometimes you can't use other things for other things. you got money, you say, well, I only got this much. I can't buy that. i got to steward it for this. It's called budgeting in the world, but God's called stewardship. That's money. Watch this. In time, it's no different. You giving God the first part of your week right now is a sense, a tithe of your time. What he's going to do, is He'll take the rest of it. He puts a blessing on it. He makes it holy. Your week is going to be different because of today. The However, there is another part that we play, and that is the stewardship of your week. Because God will want to bless it and send it and do direction with it. But if you not just run around all week long and don't manage or steward our week, then God can't bless it. See, he's got a part that he's playing, and then we've got a part that we play. That's how the kingdom of God works. The world says, well, if you just do this, be generous, then, oh, everything's going to be great. That's some philosophy talk. That's not Bible. We can be generous, but we also got to be good stewards with our time game clock is running. But God is saying, I want to give you direction. Steward what you have given. No matter what quarter you're in right now. It doesn't matter what quarter you're in. I I do feel like this. Everybody tells me who's older than me is this. You get more serious about the quarters as they go on. Now, I'm not in that same boat in a lot of things, but I will tell you this much. Take advantage of the wisdom of other people who are older. Lock into your quarter that you're in now and steward it so, like, I mean, so aggressively that you have time to do what God's asking you to do, right? So I'm going to pray for you this morning. I want you to close your eyes about bow your head just for a moment. Lord, I just want to thank you for today. Thank you for your word. God, I just ask you to help each of us here today to understand what you're trying to do in our lives to help us understand, God, how to steward our time, how to understand how to manage that which you've given us, Lord. I understand, Lord, from your scriptures and from your word, God, We, we give you something, God. You make the rest of it holy. You you said if the, the first portion is given to you, you make the rest of it holy. And so, God, we ask you to make our week holy. We ask you to take and pour out a blessing on our finances, on our time, on our energy, Lord, as we're giving to you the best part of our lives here in Jesus' name. And then I ask you, God, to help us to steward the rest of it, to be able to manage it well, God, to be aware of what we're using, to be aware of what's going on around us. God, not to just waste our time, but to be focused on what we've been given. We thank you for that, God. And I ask you, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you right now, they're not saved. Maybe they don't know you; they've never been saved. I'm going to pray for them, Lord. I'm asking you, God, Holy Spirit, tug at their heart right now as we pray. While your eyes are closed, no one's looking around right now. You're hearing you say, "I don't know Jesus, but I need to accept Christ." I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and the whole church is going to pray right now. It's not going to be you by yourself. We're going to pray this out loud. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and <laughs> confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Any man that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a matter of just simply, you believe in your heart, you need Jesus. This t- kicks over to the next step is you profess with your mouth that He is Lord. And it has nothing to do with your actions other than you believe and accept Christ and you proclaim His name. He's going to forgive you of sin. He's going to wash away your sin. And He's going to make you. I just want you to pray this with me right now. The whole church together, let's pray this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I come before you today, and I give you my life. I give you my heart, and I ask you, Jesus, to save me, and to forgive me, to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church, give me a hand, would you?